0: Listener supported, WNYC Studios.
1: We both agreed that, you know, we didn't want to see each other and do that until we could actually hug each other and see each other's faces and like look into each other's eyes. And I mean, I honestly, I don't know what's going to happen.
2: This is Death, Sex and Money. The show from WNYC about the things we think about a lot and need to talk about more. I'm Anna Sale. And here with me is the host of the NPR podcast, It's Been a Minute, Sam Sanders.
0: Hi, Anna Sale. How are you?
2: I'm good. I'm really excited to get to work with It's Been a Minute. It has been a minute. Since life has been normal. It has. Something I have been thinking about is the way in which I have, I have for, for most of these months thought about it as a time when everything is different than it mm-hmm. used to be. But something I have been thinking about since we started talking is the way in which things are not changing because of how our lives are right now. Like all of the mm. momentum that creates evolution and change in our lives is not there. So, so much is just staying the same,
0: stuck in place. Staying the same. Yeah. Well, and and like when I think of like stuck in place, a lot of this year has been people stuck in their physical spaces, stuck at home, can't be with folks you love, or you're like tied up in living with folks who you have been coming to hate.
2: So this week on Death, Sex, and Money, and over on It's Been a Minute, we're offering up two very different takes on being stuck, together and apart.
0: Well, your story that you're going to share in your episode, it's quite romantic. The two that I have to bring to our listeners are not at all romantic. (laughs) One is this group of friends who have a friend pod, uh, and they're worried that they're just being too mean to each other. Hmm. And then... This other pod story, oh my God, it is a doozy. Um, It involves a dispute over real estate. That's all I'll say.
2: Well, I'm really glad we got to do something together. I love your show, Sam. So after you listen to this episode, listen to It's Been a Minutes episode about being stuck and hit subscribe while you're there. Here's our show. Before coronavirus and before the pandemic, what was your love life like? Well, pretty much non-existent. And was that okay? Did that feel just fine? Yes, it was great. This is Marcy. She's 69 years old and lives in the Bay Area in California. And she hasn't done much dating since her third marriage ended about 10 years ago.
1: I was pretty devastated. I mean, I didn't want to get divorced. And um, I spent many evenings on the couch watching Seinfeld Mm. Mm. (laughs) and just laughing and kind of being a little bit hysterical i think yeah but um as time went on i could see that it was really the best thing for me and um i was i was loving being a single person it was the most freeing time in my whole life
2: Marcy is an artist, and in the past few years, she's spent a lot of solitary time in her studio, painting and drawing. But she wasn't opposed to the idea of finding love again. Her daughter and her friends encouraged her to try to meet someone, maybe go on a dating app.
1: I kept saying, you know, I think if I meet somebody, it's either going to be because somebody introduces me, like friends introduces me to somebody, or it's somebody from my past. What made you start thinking
2: back about your high school days?
1: Well, you know, I've been thinking about this person for most of my life. Um, Just over the years, off and on, I would think about him and I'd remember how sweet it was when we were kids. And he kind of, you know, kept coming up in my in my brain, like, well, I wonder whatever happened to him, you know? It seems like he's always just kind of been with me.
2: The person Marcy couldn't stop thinking about was a boy she met in her senior year of high school in the spring of 1969. We'll call him Joe. That's not his real name. He went to another high school where he was student body president and one of the only Black students, Marcy white. Through a mutual friend, he asked Marcy to his prom.
1: So, um we met um he definitely came to my house we'd go for walks i i barely remember that but i remember the feeling of walking around um this was in southern california walking around our neighborhood and just talking and talking and he was just such a good listener and really interesting and um yeah it was just a very sweet time we were both 18 Mm. so young right (laughs) Um, And then so I made I made a dress, red velvet dress, and um, we went out to dinner, which was really awkward because we were these young kids in some fancy restaurant, all dressed up. And um, and then we went to the prom. And my memory of it is that when we got there, all of a sudden he just shut down, like he sat down at a table, sort of put his head in his hand wouldn't talk to me, wouldn't dance with me. I kept trying to, you know, see what was going on. And he was just, like, completely shut down from me.
2: Marcy was upset. She remembers crying to another friend of hers who was there and spent most of the prom with her and another boy named Scott.
1: And at the end of the prom, I ended up with Scott. And spent the summer with him, you know, dating and um, having a lot of fun.
2: (laughs) And Scott's wife? Yes. Did you say goodbye
1: to your date? I don't remember. I don't remember. I mean, I, I think he probably got the message. I was very upset and hurt.
2: Marcy's fling with Scott ended after the summer was over. And Marcy never knew what had upset her prom date, Joe. She doesn't remember talking with him after that. But as the years went by, she often thought back on Joe and the short time they spent together.
1: There was some really, um, I don't know what, like heart connection, I guess I would say.
2: Hmm. When you remember those walks before prom with, with Joe... Do you mm-hmm. remember feeling like he really liked you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. The the feeling I, the memory I have is a feeling of this guy is really special and smart and knows so much and is, and he wasn't, he wasn't like an 18 year old boy that would like force himself on me.
2: Was, were you, were you dating? Did you like, do you remember kissing?
1: No, no, I, I don't think like, I think we probably held hands, but no. And when you think of your teenage self, like, was that like in keeping,
2: like, would you go, would you, when you had boyfriends, was it about like holding hands and walking around and not?
1: Oh, I didn't have boyfriends. No, I did not have boyfriends. I was, um, really, um, I was tall and really thin and had glasses and curly hair and, um, so awkward and self-conscious and had no idea how beautiful I was. Mm. And, um, so in Southern California, you know, the blonde surfer girl, short, curvy, and cute is that was the style back then. So I always think that I was just like, the outsider, you know.
2: You didn't um, fit in like a Beach Boys song.
1: Oh my God, no, not even Gidget, you know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> 51 years and marriages, divorces, and a move to Northern California later, Marcy still felt unsettled about what had happened on her prom night. So early this year, she decided to track down Joe. She'd looked for him before, but hadn't had any success finding him. Her sister suggested looking for him on his high school's alumni Facebook page.
1: This was so weird because the first time I went on that Facebook page, the the administrator guy had put up a newspaper article about Joe. From about Joe in
2: the 21st century or in high school? In high school. So you see his teenage self. You, like, are looking for him, and then there is his teenage face. There he
1: is. So I thought, okay, this is a sign, you know.
2: The Facebook page administrator gave Marcy Joe's email address and also told her that Joe lived not far from her, just across the bridge in San Francisco. So Marcy decided to write to him.
1: I just, you know, very carefully and very kindly said, this is who I am, um... I hope you've had a really good life. Um, I've been, you know, you've been on my mind all these years. And I just felt like I wanted to reach out and apologize for whatever happened when we went to the prom. And if you're interested at all in, in you know, saying hello or connecting or something, um, that would be really cool.
2: Marcy sent that email in February of 2020. And then... Heard nothing. And as the months went by and the pandemic took hold and Marcy stopped leaving her house, still no reply from Joe. Until August.
1: August 11th, I wake up and I look at my email and there's an email from him. And I couldn't believe it. You know, I was, I was just, I, I remember just kind of going, oh no, oh no, you know, oh no, what do I do now? You know? So I, I kind of sat with it for a while and it was a really nice email. It's just like, oh, you know, thanks for connecting. Of course, you know, it's great to hear from you and very chill, you know, not uh-huh. like, oh, thank God you finally got in touch with me. <laughs>
2: um, How long did you wait before replying?
1: Oh um you know probably like a day not very long because of course I was the one trying to find him right
2: And did you wait a day and not just like email him back in a few hours just to not seem over eager Like were you aware well, of that Well it
1: was no it was more um it was more about like what do I say yeah. you know how do I say that I'm so excited (laughs) that he's written back and you know that if and in his email he never said like you know you horrible person or look what you did to me you ruined my life it was like every his life has been great it's been a wonderful life and um I felt so relieved and um and but I wanted to yeah I felt like I had to be really careful how Mm. I how I wrote things So I just kind of sat with it. Of course, I, you know, called all my friends (laughs) and told them, oh, my God, you know, (laughs) finally wrote back. (laughs) Um, So I I wrote back and, you know, we started writing these, you know, very um, just kind of friendly emails. Like, you know, here's what I've been doing. And we were writing back and forth. I said, hey, would it be crazy to talk on the phone? And we ended up talking for almost three hours.
2: Mm. Sounds like like what a teenager does. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, and I'm I hate talking on the phone. I mean, I I much prefer to be with people, but of course, that is not how life is anymore. So, yeah, we just had so many, and we just laughed. Like when when he called, we we um we just started. We both just like couldn't believe it, you know, like, is this real? Am I really talking to this person?
2: Coming up, Marcy tells me how their relationship has progressed and how it hasn't.
1: The idea of trying to plan something where we would, you know, have to be wearing masks, and he lives in an area where there's lots of people. I think the idea of trying to coordinate all that just seems, like, too stressful for me.
2: Speaking of great stories from later in life, we are working away on our episode about getting older with guest host Joanne Allen. It has been so cool to watch your emails and voice memos about being over 60 right now come into our inbox.
1: I'm a 74-year-old woman. I just turned 65.
3: I turned 66 last May. I've been around the sun 75 times.
1: I'm calling from Nashville, Cody, Wyoming.
3: I live in Louisville.
0: A very rural area in central Nevada.
2: Wanted to share a bit of my experience. You're telling us about the parts of getting older that are bringing up big questions.
0: I have noticed a lot of Changes in my sexuality uh, just in the last few years. I hate the way my body looks. I have <laughs> gotten in touch with a lawyer about a will, the just in caseness of it all. I don't have children of my own. It's like, who's going to miss me?
2: And the parts of later life that are really great.
1: I just became a grandmother for the first time. My husband and I celebrated our 50th wedding anniversary.
2: I've acquired some wisdom and I'm still young enough to use some of it. We are really excited to share more of these conversations with you soon. And just a quick request, if you are not over 60, please send our episode with Joanne, Getting Real About Getting Older, to someone in your life who is. We've heard from a lot of older listeners that were introduced to the show by a younger friend or family member, which is very cool. And we think they'll like this next episode we're working on, too. So help us keep spreading the word. Send them to deathsexmoney.org slash aging. On the next episode, we are looking back at this year and what it has taken from us.
1: There's been a lot of good things that happened this year, too. Like, if I just told you about the good things, you would assume that I had a good year. But unfortunately, it feels like the things that I lost are eventually going to define my future.
2: This is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC. I'm Anna Sale. Early on in their reconnection, Marcy told Joe about her marriage history. But he didn't volunteer any information about his relationship status.
1: And so I finally, during a conversation, you know, said, oh, are you with somebody? And he wasn't. And I remember kind of going, oh, that's interesting, you know, (laughs) that we're both single at this point in our lives.
2: Do you remember feeling attracted to him?
1: Um yeah to some degree I mean I think I I really had a lot of protective walls up around me because of the you know the last experience and um you know and I in some ways I I felt like well I don't know this guy you know I was very cautious probably overly cautious
2: Did that shift
1: Yes because we started um talking on the phone almost every night for like at least a couple hours and um I paint a lot of what is going on in my life so I'm I kind of work through things and I I sent him some pictures of my artwork and I um and I sent him a few little pieces of artwork and he it was almost like he knew Like he was there when I was painting. Like nobody has ever looked at my artwork the way he has. And he just, he is just in it and really sees it, you know. Mm. And he's um, very sensitive and he's funny. He just makes me laugh. i I, It's like the first person um, that I really feel like I can trust. I'll say the first man in a long, long, long time. I mean, we we say that we love each other. We, we love each other.
2: Wow. When did that happen?
1: Yeah. Um, I'm going to say sometime like either late September or early October. There was a time where he just said, I love you. You know, and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> he has brought so much love into my life and so much joy and um oh i just (laughs) yeah just saying that is so it's so powerful because in the past i i would say i i take great joy in my sorrow because it's it's so real and it's a feeling and it's such a um it's it's okay like i'm okay with my sorrow and um, now I, I have so much joy. I mean, he'll, we'll be talking and he'll say, I just see your face smiling. And I, and I say, well, I'm, as I'm talking to you, I am smiling, you know, the whole time because he just, you know, it's like such an amazing connection to this person.
2: But still, despite only living about 15 minutes apart, Marcy and Joe have not actually seen each other, aside from trading a few photos.
1: I sent a picture of myself from when I was, I think I was like 32 and I had finished (laughs) art school and yeah. You're like catching each other up in instruments? Yeah, I I said, (laughs) I said, this is, this is who I am inside you know, this is how I, if I don't look in the mirror, that's the person I see. Mm -hmm. And then I had my daughter take a real picture of me out in my backyard so that he could see what I look like now. So later on, he sent me a picture of when he was in his forties and, and, and it was from a newspaper. I don't know. So it was, it wasn't a very good picture, but oh my God, so gorgeous. Mm. (laughs) and then and then another picture from this movie that he participated in and um he tells me that he looks just like the picture when he was in his 40s except he's older so <laughs> i don't know what that means <laughs> that's as far as we've gotten
2: <laughs> so you traded photos and like why not facetime or zoom
1: cuz i don't want to see him that way hmm. i don't i mean he he and he's not Supercomputer, um, whatever you know. Mm-hmm. He he doesn't even have a cell phone. Okay, so
2: um, <laughs> oh man, that's sexy. Yeah, <laughs> that's
1: very sexy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. It's in. It, you know, I hate to say romantic, but in a way, it's so romantic that we mail things to each other and email, and you know, I I think that I mean he's not trying to push it either. We both kind of feel like. We want to be able to if if we actually see each other, we want to see each other's faces, we want to hug each other, we want to not have to be cautious or you know get tested first and i yeah i'm I'm very nervous about getting the virus. I know people who've gotten it, and yeah i'm I'm just I know I have lots of friends that go all over the place and do all sorts of things. And I'm horrified. (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm, mm -hmm. It sounds like when you see him physically, you don't want to have to have restraint. You want to be able to just do what you want to do without caution.
1: I want it to be like, I've had this vision of us sitting on my couch, you know, just like cozy and talking and having a cup of tea and, Uh, He couldn't come in my house, you know. I wouldn't let him come in my house if if we got together, and I wouldn't go in his house. So, where do we go? You know, to a park, and this is the first time we're going to see each other in fifty-one years. I mean, it's just, yeah, it it seems completely impossible to do that. Hmm. And then I think, really, the other part of it is that all of this that we've been doing um, is so much and so intense. That seeing each other is going to be like <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> it's going to be way too much to handle <laughs> at this uh-huh. point. You know. <laughs>
2: Have you like th- talked about different fantasies about what it'll be like when you do see each other?
1: A little bit, yeah, yeah. That's been kind of fun. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Have you talked about sex? Um, a very little bit, a very little bit. Um, It's, um, yeah, it's definitely an underlying sense, you know, Um, because, uh, I mean, part of it is that the way he sees me and not sees me, but sees me and thinks about me, that he, he always thought I was stunning that's Mm -hmm. how he saw me back then he didn't see me as that awkward you know person with glasses and weird hair and stuff he saw me as stunning
2: that must uh there are a lot of things that are that are important that don't include how you look but to hear someone say that you look stunning is um Mm -hmm. what a way to feel like adored like that's really oh yeah nice yeah Do you think this romance when you think about if this would have happened a year ago or in a time when there was not a pandemic mm-hmm. um, do you wish for that
1: i I don't think I don't think we either of us were ready until when it happened. I think it was the timing was um the timing was right, you know hmm. So I'm I'm just really enjoying this and enjoying how, I mean, you know, there's so many things when you're actually physically close to somebody that um, creates a whole level of greatness and and issues. You know?
2: Yeah, complication.
1: <laughs> yeah, complications. Yes. Uh-huh. That's it's in like that. You. That's something that's
2: because you've described how much you really enjoyed your life as a single person and Mm -hmm. that you get to have this intense love and connection without having to change anything about your life.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I don't have to make room in my house or my closet or my bed or, you know, who's going to cook dinner, all those, all those things when you're actually living with somebody that you have to work out
2: does it feel scary to think about something about your connection changing when, when you are in person?
1: Um, I wouldn't say scary. Um, I would say I'm curious. Mm-hmm. Like I think that when we actually see each other and we actually hug each other, that will tell us everything we need to know. And if it means that we fall madly in love and want to be together, that's great. If if we look at each other and say we love each other and we're going to be friends forever, that's great too. I'm trying not to have any any expectations. I'm not afraid because I know that we will always be connected now. And that, to me, is the most important thing. Do you think, have you talked about
2: how your connection might be different when you're physically together and it's it's very plain that you're a white woman and he's a black man. Just ha- that you will relate in a different way than when it's just your voices?
1: I don't think so. I don't think that will I don't think that will affect anything. I mean in it I mean we'll we'll see what we really look like. So that'll affect something, but the fact that you know, we have different color skin, it's not gonna, I don't believe it's gonna have any bearing on anything.
2: And just thinking about the timeline, I'm not sure if this is how you were thinking about it, but like, between February and August this year, there was a lot of conversation about racism and history and Exactly each part that each of us have played in the history of racism in this country. And for you thinking back on that prom night when you arrived with a black date and left with a white date, um, was was that like did you were, were you thinking about that against the backdrop of just what part have I played in this?
1: Well, in the beginning, um in the beginning of us reconnecting, it wasn't, I wasn't thinking about it, um, so much in what's happening and what's been happening with like Black Lives Matter. It was more just who we had been in our past and how we were catching up with, um, all those 51 years of our lives. Mm -hmm. And, but, but of course that subject came up because, um, you know, he would, we'd be talking about a subject and he would, he would, you know, say something like, yeah, if I was in that situation, I probably would be dead by now. And, you know, Mm -hmm. he'd, he'd throw these little things out. And so that, that, um, you know, racism definitely came up in our conversations and it was, it was really good.
2: Does he have any memory of why he sort of shut down at prom and, and seemed upset?
1: Well, what, he remembered kind of recently was that he couldn't find me. Mm. And he didn't know what had happened. And then he was just devastated when he realized that I was with that guy.
2: You felt hurt by him and he felt hurt by you. Yeah. Did you apologize? Have you apologized?
1: Oh yes. Many times. What did you say um you know i think we were talking about what life was like back then and how hurt he was and and at some moment i just felt like i had to say you know i i want to apologize for whatever role i had in in making him and hurting him or making him feel bad Did it feel good to hear her apologize?
3: Uh It felt so good just to hear her voice and talk to her.
2: This is Joe. He's pretty private, but agreed to get on the phone with me and Marcy last week.
3: I let it go a long time ago. It became an interesting story. Man, yeah, you know what happened to me, man? Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs>
2: <laughs> she left me. My prom date left me. Went home with another boy. <laughs> That's a problem, man. <laughs> now, I I I just want to ask you, Joe, I had a really wonderful long conversation with Marcy about what it's been like to get to know you again during these last several months? Can you tell me what it's been like for you?
3: Well, it's been revolutionary, I'd say. Um, what's in- really interesting is that uh, it opens me up to my 18-year-old self, oh. and I can just feel. Um, how I felt during that time, what was going on during that time. And I remember my 18-year-old self's first love. And... uh,
2: That first love was Mercy. Yes. Oh.
3: It's difficult to describe in words, but Mm -hmm. um, it's just been an absolute pleasure. Mm. And... revealing to me things about myself that I've forgotten. And there's a love between us that feels like a gift.
2: And Marcy, you and I talked a bit about this when we were talking by ourselves, but I just, I want to hear from both of you, like, what do you think it's going to be like when you get to see each other in person?
1: Um. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's going to be like nothing else I've ever experienced
3: or it could be like uh, it could be like uh, uh, an opera they meet (laughs) after all this time Mm -hmm. there are clouds in the sky but the sun is emerging through they walk you towards each other (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then he sees her, falls into her arms, and has a heart attack. No. But, <laughs> <laughs> but the EMTs are there, and they shock him back to life.
2: <laughs> That's Joe and Marcy, stuck apart and in love together. 51 years after they went to prom. Death, Sex, and Money is a listener-supported production of WNYC Studios in New York. Katie Bishop produced this episode. The rest of our team includes Afi Duke, Annabelle Bacon, Emily Botine, and Andrew Dunn. Special thanks to NPR's It's Been a Minute with Sam Sanders for collaborating with us on this idea of being stuck during the pandemic. Check out their episode about being stuck Together during the pandemic, wherever you get your podcasts, the Reverend John Delore and Steve Lewis wrote our theme music. I'm on Twitter at Anna Sale. The show is at Death Sex Money on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, which is how Marcy first found out about our show. And thank you to Claire Muter in Iowa City, Iowa, who is a sustaining member of Death Sex and Money. Join Claire and support what we do here by going to deathsexmoney.org/donate. Since we talked, Marcy has kept us updated. She and Joe are still talking every day, and they still have not seen each other in person. That sense of patience is remarkable, because I would be just like really mad. <laughs>
1: I'd be like driving across the bridge, and it's like, let's
2: just do this. Yeah, you know I, mean? I know.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think probably because I am, you know, because we are both 69, we have more patience than if we were... Like if it if it was in when I was forty, oh my God, I don't know what I would have done. You know, would have been bad.
2: I'm Anna Sale, and this is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC.